Hello and welcome to Popcast, your guide to what's popping off in the live music industry with the people behind it. Each month, we'll be chatting with promoters, festival owners, and venue directors to hear their thoughts on the latest trends in the industry and their advice for you. My name is Sean Edson. I'm the head of music partnerships here at Eventbrite. And today I'm joined by Adam Lin, one of the co-founders of Prime Social Group. Um, so Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about the company you helped found? Cool, yeah. Thanks, Sean. You know, I've been putting on shows now since 2009. My first concert, I was a, a junior at the University of Michigan and kind of just, you know, took an idea and, and ran with it. You know, we weren't really getting shows at my school and I felt like there was a, a big demand for concerts and, and just no supply of anything coming in. Um, so in 09, I brought the one and only Mr. Nas to University of Michigan. Nice. And, uh, you know, quite a way to break into the music. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a big hit and kind of rolled that into a Kid Cudi concert, which led to Dead Mouse and Skrillex show. And that's when I decided it's probably time to graduate and graduated from Michigan. And that's how I started out. Huh. I don't think I ever even knew that. So Nas was your first show. And Nas, you, and you literally said you thought to yourself – we're at this great university. We get 100,000 people out to these football games. Yep. Why don't we have good shows coming up here? Yeah, and, and honestly, the truth is it's because we're so close to Detroit and Grand Rapids and you're kind of like sandwiched in the middle. There's a, almost a lack of content and really a lack of promoters for that market, which I now know as a you know, quote-unquote veteran in the industry. Yeah, I was able to sneak this Nas concert in and it was pretty cool. I had 4,000 people there and not a bad night as a 20-year-old college <laughs> No. And so I just I think this is an amazing story because typically you see promoters come up who are booking local bands or maybe they're helping booking they're booking their friends' bands or something like that. You were just picked up and you called, you called like CAA or, or William Morris and just said, hey, I'm, I'm Adam Lynn. Why don't we get Nas out here? Like, and that's not that easy to do, especially when you're, you're talking to an artist as popular as Nas is. And then when you think about who he represents, like how were you able to kind of break through that noise and, and even get to, get to his, his agent or even his manager? I sent probably 20 emails and got no responses. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and then, uh, yeah, honestly, I was so passionate about it. I actually just got on a flight to New York and met with his agent in person and kind of pitched the whole thing. Unfortunately, I had to put up the entire amount in <laughs> advance, right? Because yeah, I've never done a show ever. Yeah. Kind of a little cool story. I don't, I don't share with too many people. I had no idea, and I've known you for years. That's that's a, that is an amazing story. And then you just bounced from there. You went to Nas, and you went to Skrillex, and you went to these other big artists. I mean, yeah. how, did did you leverage that relationship that you had created with Nas's agent to be like, hey, you know, I, I'm thinking about doing more of this. Who should I be talking to? I mean, is that how it kind of worked for you? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that that's how this industry works. Is it's all based on relationship and performance and. Not not only did I pay all my bills, but you know <laughs> I promoted the heck out of that show, and you know you really gotta you gotta make a name for yourself before you can do anything. Yeah, very cool. And so Zach, being in Ohio, and Zach's from Ohio State, right? Uh, Zach is from born and raised in Columbus, and a buck a Buckeye for life. Okay, but but he did go to University of Wisconsin. That's right, Madison. All right. So how did your better half? How did you end up? 
partnering up with one and only Zach Rubin. After those that run of shows I did in Ann Arbor, just kind of looking to expand, um, not not in a huge way, but look to see if there's any other college towns. And I was working on a Steve Ioki date for Ann Arbor, and the agent told me, by the way, there's this other guy, Zach Rubin, who's doing Madison, Wisconsin, and he's doing Bloomington, Indiana on this tour. So why don't you guys think about working together? And so Zach and I got on a, on a phone call, and we ended up doing this Ioki College tour. We, we actually called it Ioki Goes to College. Oh, That's, got it. Okay. And we, you know, we rented a tour bus. It was like one of those kind of, you know, movie moments. So yeah. we kind of like really spent, you know, four or five days together, Zach and I, and right around the same age and, and kind of had the same vision of what we thought our career was. The only discrepancy was, you know, I'm a Wolverine. Yeah. From the University of Michigan and, and the uh, diehard Buckeye fan. Yeah. So that was just a challenge, right? And I actually spent a weekend in Columbus after the tour, and I went to a home football game, and I was—I just really had a good time in the city, and it was something I wasn't expecting. But you know, I was—I was really happy to to see what Columbus was all about. And at the end of 2010, I just packed up Ann Arbor and moved south to Columbus. The rest is history. Okay, so that's how you and Zach met. So he was yeah. booking shows, you were booking shows. You said, "Hey, we both have." We're both passionate about this. And it sounds like you guys are passionate about similar artists as well, which I would imagine sure. helps the relationships. He's not looking to, you know, book like super underground indie bands and, and you know, you're looking for only electronic music. Um, it sounds like you guys agree on, on kind of what the Prime Social Group brand is. Um, yeah. My company was called Social Studies. Okay. Um, and Zach was Prime Productions. <laughs> Got it. And that's where Prime Social came from. Got it. Okay. All right. It's all coming together now. Well, very now, cool. Now, now you see it, Sean. When you guys were with the Steve Aoki tour, how many dates were, were on this? The first run we did that those three. We did Ann Arbor, Wisconsin, and Bloomington. But then once once I moved to Columbus and we kind of started hiring some people and really expanded the business, we went back that spring and did like eleven dates with him. And then you guys booked all those dates. You guys were responsible for contacting the different venues that you felt would be a good routing and, mm -hmm. and locking all that in. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Very cool. And for you guys as prime social group, it's a great marriage. It sounds like, are, what are kind of the, the roles defined? I mean, are you doing all the booking or do you guys split that? Is Zach more focused on marketing? How do, how does the kind of roles kind of differ for you guys there? Yeah. So Zach and I, you know, both kind of evolved as talent buyers. So, um, but but like you mentioned, we're we're booking a lot of the same style of genres, EDM and hip hop. And what we what we noticed after you know a couple of years of business was just as our volume picked up, um, you know the relationships were also expanding, and and it almost became you know, am I booking with Zach? Am I booking with Adam? You know, who do I contact about these shows? Mm -hmm. So what we ended up doing is dividing it. Um, by genre. Okay. So Zach is doing all the EDM bookings, and which is, which makes up probably seventy percent of our business. So he's doing a lot of that. I focus mostly on hip hop, but I've also expanded into the country world, and then in, into the '90s world as well. Yes. I'm a hip hop country '90s promoter. Got it. What do you feel like is the biggest change you see from being just this unknown? 
scrappy, ambitious college student at the University of Michigan, just been like, please bring us some good music to where you are now, where you know, you're one of the biggest independent promoters through the Midwest and the Mideast, as we like to call it. What do you feel like changes for you as you start to book more and more talent, as you start to increase the number of shows and the volume you do on, on a year-to-year basis with the talent agencies out there? Honestly, it was so hard to get anyone on the phone when you're starting. And, you know, that's typical, right? It's just like agents get so many inbound requests like every day from, from people that don't know what they're doing. So it's hard for them to sift, you know, the people that are legit that aren't. And so a lot of times they just won't answer, right? It's just there's only so many hours in a work day. Um, you know, and now it's like, I'm, I'm booking some major festivals and I need to speak with, you know, almost every agency. And, and when I want to get an agent on the phone or a manager, it's like prime social group is a brand that, that they know, um, and respect. And it's, you know, that, that goes a long way. And so it's, you know, look, there's still, there's still people that are harder to speak to than others. Rob Light, Mark Geiger, you know, aren't just going to, pick up every phone call of mine, but it's just become a lot easier to book and definitely the respect level from, from the major agencies. Music world is, is all about relationships. And so, you know, that, that just takes time. Yeah. Yeah. What would you recommend to folks who are kind of up and coming that can help them with this process? Yeah. It's aligning yourselves with the right people, right? Like if you don't have the clout, you know, maybe someone else does. That's will that's willing to work with you, but that's always going to be an obstacle starting out. If you if you're a young gun that just thinks that, you know, you, you can just take this on on your own, it's like, you know, you'll you'll learn very quickly that that the booking process is is a difficult hurdle. Talking to experienced promoters and you know any personal relationships that like can help get you in the door. You know, that, that's kind of the key is like just just get yourself in the door. And and, and once you've proven yourself kind of like I did, then, then it becomes a much easier process. As a promoter starting out, you probably don't have much leverage in terms of what you pay for the artist or deposits due and when it's due. I guess those are probably challenges that, that someone has to be willing to weather initially. Am I, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. You and, and Zach have carved out an interesting niche market for yourselves, the college markets around kind of the, the greater Midwest, Mideast. What was it that attracted you to these markets? Was it the fact that you came up and grew up in these markets and were initially booked shows there? Was it what, what kind of was the influence behind your guys' strategy? You know, I didn't start my company in New York City or Chicago or L.A. Like Zach and I, you know, we birthed these, these companies in college markets and all of our employees are college, you know, college students. We kind of just get that demographic as the company evolves. I don't think we'll ever make our way fully out of the college space, but, you know, take on bigger challenges like what we're doing with 90s Fest and moving into some other markets. You know, it's fun, too. There's just a youthful vibe. College students bring a lot of energy to crowds. Again, we've just done it well, and, and we're not in a rush to move out of it. And the biggest thing is just that that's where we started, and that's kind of what we know best. How do you guys differentiate yourselves from the other hundreds of promoters out there? Festivals come and go. Promoters come and go. We've diversified our portfolio. 
I'm not just riding the EDM wave or I'm not just riding trap music or underground music. You know, we're, we're spread across all these different genres and also different markets, right? So if, you know, Ann Arbor is having a really bad ticket year, you know, Madison, Wisconsin might be having a great year. Zach and I both come from entrepreneurial families. Although we're kind of in, you know, a good time in the company, we've had plenty of, of rough times and have, have taken some big hits on shows. And you got to be able to weather it financially, but also from a, a mental capacity, making a lot of money and then losing it all in a show and being able to rebound. It's like being like a professional gambler, you know? I mean, essentially it's what it is. Like, can you not ever get too high or ever get too low and keep an even keel? And, and I think that you bring up a great point because I think everyone assumes that, it's a, it's a glamorous lifestyle. You get to rub elbows with these great artists and you just make money all the time, but that's not the case at all. So I, I think it, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you brought that up. You guys are expanding into different genres. Obviously, the Country Night Lights Festival, um, the 90s Fest, which, was, which you guys launched in New York last year, Country Fest, which you guys launched a few years ago. Um, what's kind of the inspiration behind that? Is it to diversify your portfolio of events. I mean, I think there's, uh, I feel like there's big business in country right now. Are you guys seeing something similar? Depends who you talk to because someone will say, you know, country, country's the new EDM. Um, but other people will say, well, you know, I've seen these country festivals like Live Nation AED each just canceled country festivals on the East Coast. So you, you really just got to know your market and book it properly and not overspend. The real reason that we kind of jumped into the country world, first off, we're, we're in Ohio, which is, is a very predominantly country-based music market. So that, that was kind of like an outstanding thing. But we also just bought this venue where we're doing Number Fest. Um, you yeah, know, we paid a good amount of money for it, and, and it, it sits vacant, you know, 363 days a year um, besides the two days that we were doing number fest on it. So it was almost like we, we convinced ourselves that we needed to find another genre to occupy that land. So that's really how the country night lights model was born. Um, but you know, it's a successful event. We had, we had a lot of luck booking Sam hunt there. Um, but you know, that's now a staple event for us that we're going to, you know, keep doing and hopefully for many years to come. Um, 90s Fest was an interesting concept that I had, you know, before I was putting on concerts, I was throwing, you know, fraternity parties at Michigan. And, and you know, I saw kind of looking at the fraternity model, which is an interesting model to look at, but, you know, you have, we sit throw paint parties and then boom, Bigelow happened that turned into life in color, and that was a huge success. But the other big party we would throw were these, you know, 90s parties where everyone dressed up. And I, and and honestly, I just thought that there's a culture of people wanting to be in a certain kind of event, dressing a certain style, listening to a certain type of music, that if you book the right band and set up the right atmosphere around it, you're going to create a a branded event that most importantly didn't have all that much to do with who's performing, right? It was, it's more about being at a fun event than it is about seeing any particular artist. I think that's interesting um, because we see so many people come out of the gates and book really expensive talent 
and it's tough. You know, people expect to to explode onto the scene and with with great talent, but I think the key, and and maybe you can speak to this more, is creating that experience. And I think with Numbers Fest is a great example of that. I mean, talk talk us through how long that festival's been in existence and, and kind of what you guys have been able to do with that over the, the many years. First off, we sound like Pasquale here with Insomniac. You know, it, 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 he, he stresses almost every time he talks, he says, you know, it's not the performers, it's the experience, which, you know, he's got a very valid point there. And that's why you know, he's got arguably the most successful music festival in the country. At some point, the talent becomes repetitive. And what separates your event from the next festival, a state over or in the next city? And, you know, you got to create something that's like a memorable experience. So we have this event which caters to your, your study abroad students that are, you know, spending their semesters in Barcelona and Prague and Florence and all these other cities. And we kind of created this experience event where all these kids congregate in Barcelona for a weekend. And we've done such a good job with it over the past three years that this year we actually sold out the whole festival before we even announced who was playing it. You know, and, yeah. and that's kind of like, that's when you know, that's like, that's your point of where, talent becomes secondary in your event and the experience comes first. And that's kind of yeah. what, what you thrive for. Absolutely. I think that's where everyone wants to be. I guess, you know, as you head in 2016 and beyond, you know, what, what are some of the goals for, for Prime Social Group? I mean, where do you guys want to want to see yourself in, in the next couple of years? Um, you know, it, it's more of just growing the properties that we have, you know, maybe adding a couple of festivals, but you know, I really love what, what, what I do and what we do and, um, you know, it's, it's slow and steady growth, really. And that, that's kind of what I learned early on is when, when you try to do too much, you kind of you take on too much for yourself. And I just want to, you know, grow in a couple markets and grow a couple festivals and then kind of see where we're at. And I got a couple, uh, a couple questions for your personal questions. And I, want, I don't want you thinking too long about these. I want to know right off the bat. All right. If we had to say you have a personal favorite festival that you go to, you've been going to for years, what would that festival I be? I think the best festival in the country is Electric Forest Festival up in Rothbury, Michigan. Um, yeah, they just, they, they, they do such a good job with the production there and the lineup's always on point. And I've actually gone every year since they started it. Favorite show ever. Do you have a favorite show you've ever been to? I've got a real soft spot for Above and Beyond. They're like, they're like the one EDM act that I feel like has just kind of, it's like their music elevates you a little bit. And it's like, they have a crazy following. And I think of, of people that, that really respect their music as well. Let's say our above and beyond show in 2011 that we did in Columbus here. And last thing, what artists, whether it's in EDM rap, what, what music should folks, what artists should folks be listening to? This kid named uh, Nightmare. He's a he's an EDM act. Um, just uh, putting out some insanely great music, and he's super young. And he's just he's going to be a festival headliner in in a year or two from now. All right. Well, you heard it here. You heard it here from Adam Lint. Nightmare. 
book him now, book him early before he gets too yeah, expensive. Just, so, don't, just don't book him in Ohio. <laughs> just don't book him anywhere in the mid east or west. But Adam, I appreciate it, brother. I thank you for your time today. Really appreciate the great insight and, and congratulations and, and all your success. And we look forward to uh, to more of it. Cool. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. For other episodes of PopCasts and other trends and tips for live music promoters, check out the Eventbrite blog. We'd like to thank Ghostwave for sharing their song, Blues Signal 79, with us for this episode. <laughs>